so this happened to me like sophomore year of GW and it was in the intro to biological anthropology lab section so we're we in were that, in that like, class together we were in the lecture together we? we didn't okay. have the same lab but we no, were in we that lecture this, together yes yes that's correct so I was like you were definitely not in this lab but I was sitting across from this girl I hate the word ditzy but that's literally what she used to describe herself like her friend and her were obviously taking this together and she's like there's so many times where they're like you're ditzy and that girl's like I know I am but we were just talking about where we're from and I was like oh I grew up in New York like I'm from New York Westchester so she goes oh so like Manhattan and I'm like no I'm not from New York City like trying to do that Ugh, I have to describe what Westchester is but then the girl who called herself ditzy was like oh, I love Manhattan, but like everyone says New York City is so big and it's really not that big. And I kind of looked at her and I was like, wait, do you think Manhattan is like the whole city? You know, there's five boroughs. New York City is pretty big. Like when we say like Westchester, New York, Westchester, New York pretty much lines up with New York City because you hit the Bronx and that's like one of the five boroughs. And if it's not, I'm really embarrassed. I live in San Francisco now. So like, don't come at me. No, Bro- Bronx is definitely a borough of New York City. Okay, because Alana, I saw like Alana's face and I was like, I, I know Bronx is it. I used to live in the Bronx, but she's just like, what? Burroughs? And I was like, yeah, Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens. And she's like, no, it's called Kings. And I was like, what? I like, it's bringing me back like tears to my eyes. And I go, no, it's Queens. And she's like, no, but the show's called King of Queens. So like, it's called Kings. And I was like, wait, what? Wait, she so hard didn't get the joke, even though the joke was in the title. Like yeah, the name of the like place was in the title. Yeah, so like, I don't know where the translation was lost for her. I don't even remember where she was from, but she couldn't understand that it was just called Queens. She thought it was like King of Queens or Kings. Like Kings had to be included somewhere. It couldn't just be Queens. And I was like, it's Queens. I like. But, but have you been to Queens? Because Queens might be my favorite borough. I've never been to Queens, no. No, I like Brooklyn. Okay, that's valid. This modern world of science and invention is of particular interest to women. Hello and welcome to Lady History, the good, the bad, and the ugly ladies you missed in history class. By the grace of Zoom, I'm joined by Lexi. Lexi, if you had invented chess, what would you have the queen do? Oh man, so see, I'm going to be honest, um, I'm not familiar with chess, and I've never played a game of chess, so if I invented chess, it would be a completely different game, because to me, chess is so boring that even when my little brother, who was adorable, was like, please learn chess, please play with me, I was like, I don't want to play this, it's boring. So I would have invented a game where the queen would have probably educated the poor and also taking care of art and culture in the community and opened a museum and taking care of all the animals and protected women and that would be the game i want to play that game i don't want to play chess ever again i want to play that game chess is canceled we're playing whatever game lexi invented through the magic of wi-fi i am also here with Haley. Haley, what's your favorite queen song 
I want to say Bohemian Rhapsody, and I know that's like really basic, you but basic it's like bitch. I have a reason. I'm horrible at remembering song lyrics, and it's the only song ex- except um, my humps from the Black Eyed Peas that I know every single word to, and I can like sing on command. Oh my, I'm speechless. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> and I'm Alana, and my favorite drag queen is Miss Cracker. You should have asked me that question. You, no, you I thought about yourself. it, but then I wanted to say that my favorite drag queen was Miss Cracker. Uh, I, I wouldn't have said Miss Cracker. I would have no, said kimchi. You, you would have said kimchi, and I wanted to say mine, and we couldn't have had the same question. The only wrong answer is RuPaul. That's true. <laughs> That's true. It's kind of like saying your favorite queen song is Bohemian is Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yeah, but I don't all the words to it and i'm really proud of myself for it it's basic but that's just like my win in life i know but that joke was just right there and i had it was to take really it. good lexi please when you edit this leave that joke in This week, we will be talking about, you guessed it, queens. So the queen I will be talking about is not technically a queen, I guess. Technically, she is an empress. And in later generations, they referred to the role which she had as Tsarina. But during her time, her lifetime, the term Tsarina was not used. So she would just be called an empress. I would like to give a disclaimer, which is the same disclaimer we seem to give all the time. I do not speak Chinese. Just kidding. That's not, that's not what I'm disclaimering. I do not speak Russian. So I'm trying very hard here, but these pronunciations are going to be a little wonky because Russian is very far out of my wheelhouse in terms of language knowledge. So you guys have probably heard of Catherine the Great, but did you know that Catherine the Great wasn't even named Catherine and she wasn't even Russian? And I knew she wasn't Russian because I watched The Great on Hulu. Y- yes! Yes! The Great on Hulu! We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. <laughs> I promise we're going to get to that. <laughs> I just got so excited. And that is the reason I picked Catherine the Great, is that show. But we'll get to that. On May 2nd, 1729, Catherine was born Sophia Frederica Augusta Princess von Anhalt Zerbst Dormenberg. I think I got that Zerbst. right, but I also don't, I don't also, I also don't speak German, which is her Zerbst. native language. Yeah, Zerbst. I love that. Oh, yeah. Zerbst. I'm changing my name. I'm changing my name. I'm Zerbst. We have um, Haley, aka Sprinkle Bear McPussin Boots, and Alana, aka Zerbst. Yeah, that's good. I accept that. So if you would like to contact Alana on the social media, please direct the messages to Zerps. So yeah, Catherine or, well, Sophie. Sophie was the daughter of a poor Prussian prince, and in Prussia, there were many prince people who all had principalities, so he wasn't, like, the prince of Prussia. Hey, hey Lexi, where's Prussia? Prussia is what Germany used to be. So there were lots of princes in Prussia, and so she was the daughter of a poor one, and on her mother's side, she was related to the Holsteins, who were rich Prussian royalty. They were, like, ruling elite in Prussia. 
And for most of her youth, her mother scolded her for being headstrong and rebellious and a bit outlandish for a girl and for not necessarily being ladylike. And in 1744, the young princess was hand-selected by Empress Elizabeth, the unmarried ruler of Russia and the daughter of Peter the Great. And Peter the Great was very, very popular. He was very well-loved in Russia. So this was a really big deal. And Elizabeth picked Catherine to marry her nephew, and he was the heir because she did not have any children. So she appointed her nephew heir. His name was Carl Ulrich, and he was also of Holstein descent, so from the same German, but at the time Prussian, so Prussian lineage, but we would call it German now. And Karl Ehrlich was set to become the ruler of Russia after Elizabeth's death, and his name when he became Russian ruler would be Grand Duke Peter III, because apparently in Russia you don't keep your name when you become a ruler, you get like a new name. I don't fully understand that. Maybe someone who's an expert in this could tell me more about it. But yeah, you get a new name. So he was going to become Peter III. And because the court religion of Russia was Orthodox Christianity, young Sophie had to be baptized into Russian Orthodox Christianity, into that church, in order to be the wife of the Karl Ulrich guy. So as part of her baptism, she was given the name Grand Duchess Ekaterina Alexina. Again, I don't speak Russian, so I really tried, but yeah, <laughs> that translates to Catherine in English, so I'm just going to call her Catherine um, so that I don't make your ears bleed. On August 21st, 1745, Carl and Sophie, who were likely also blood relatives, in true European royal heritage fashion, were married. But their marriage was destined to be ill-fated. Peter III was eccentric, neurotic, rebellious, and an alcoholic. His contemporaries, as well as modern scholars, also suggest that Peter III was infertile and in turn incapable of producing an heir with his new bride. Catherine was the antithesis of Peter. She was level-headed and an avid reader. Though many members of the court were suspicious of her, she gained considerable knowledge about Russia through her studies in her early years as Grand Duchess. Catherine also took many lovers, records noting at least three men she had ongoing affairs with during her marriage. Scholars believe that none of her children, not even the heir to the Russian throne, her eldest son, Paul, were Peter's actual children. Catherine became fed up with Peter's bullshit. He was an incompetent ruler who was bringing down the nation, and she knew she would do better for the country she began to love. So Catherine made it her goal to eliminate Peter and take the throne someday. In late 1761, Empress Elizabeth died. At the time, Russia was embroiled in the Seven Years' War, aligned with Austria and France and opposing Prussia. Peter, whose Holstein lineage made him Prussian by blood, had always despised Russia despite being raised to rule it. Upon assuming his role as emperor, he canceled the alliance with France and Austria and pulled Russia from the Seven Years' War. Peter also decided this was the perfect time to get rid of his wife, who he despised. Catherine knew this was her chance to take the throne. She had the support of the army, due both to Peter's incompetence and her taking a lover in the St. Petersburg Regiment. Individuals from the enlightened aristocracy also supported her because they valued her liberal opinions. In June, just six months after Peter had become emperor, Catherine rallied her troops in St. Petersburg. She was proclaimed empress by the people. Peter III abdicated the throne, but Catherine's supporters decided that still wasn't enough, so they assassinated him three days later. In September, Catherine was officially crowned Empress Catherine II and began her reign as the ruler of Russia, a role which she would keep for 34 years. 
Catherine's reign was turbulent and her attempts to enact most of the radical liberal reforms and changes she believed in in her young years were largely failures. However, she did achieve a lot as a ruler, vastly broadening Russia's borders and amassing a large art collection, which she believed would better her nation by culturally educating the people. I will not dive too much into her time as a ruler, as we could seriously go on for hours talking about it, and there have literally been so many books written about all her policies. So this is just a short, short version of the story of Catherine the Great, and if you're curious to learn more about her, there are lots of great books out there. I will include some in our Tumblr post this week if you're really looking to nerd out about Catherine the Great. In the end, Catherine died quietly. She suffered a stroke in bed in 1796, passing at the age of 67 after ruling Russia for more than three decades. Before I end, I would also like to note that Catherine had a lasting legacy that far outlived her. Catherine is remembered as a ruthless, strong female leader. She's been the subject of numerous documentaries, movies, TV shows, history lectures, and yes, even podcasts. And I would like to promote that Hulu put out a great series earlier this year called The Great, which presents a largely fictionalized version of Catherine's rise to power. Catherine is portrayed by Elle Fanning, who is only 22, but is already proving herself to be an acting powerhouse. And so the- here's the thing about Elle Fanning. My friend, Jill Young, hit her up. She made the Gecko Museum. For those of you who know about the Gecko Museum, her name is Jill Young. She was supposed to be signed or something like, basically Elle Fanning took her acting spot when we were in middle school. I have a vendetta against Elle Fanning, although I did talk to Jill like on Monday and was just like, are we still mad at her? Because I really enjoyed the great and I feel kind of bad about it. And she was like, you know what? I'm a little bit mad. But middle school Elle Fanning was way better equipped to handle being famous than middle school Jill. So I'm allowed to enjoy it, but I still am like wary of Elle Fanning. I'm just a little bit salty. I'm glad we're kind of allowed to like her, even though it seems like there is some resentment still. Though The Great gets a lot of actual history wrong, that's really not the point of the series. I would say it's akin to things like Hamilton, though far more comedic in nature than that. But The Great reappropriates a story from history through a fun modern lens and advocates for diversity. It is a hilarious, diverse, witty show that is worth the watch if you do have a Hulu account. So I would highly recommend it. That's, Are you that's done it on Catherine. You're, you're done with Catherine. I have one more question. Horse fucking, what's the vibe? What's the vibe on horse fucking? Like, did she, like, did she do it or not? I don't know. I feel like scholars could argue about that for days. That's not an answer. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> is that an answer? No, but I will accept. Excuse me. What? I've never heard any of this. Oh my god, you don't know about this! This is just like this, it's, I don't even know if it it is actually a thing or not, but like, some propaganda, some like anti-Catherine propaganda was like, she, she made a device to fuck her horse. I've truly never heard of this and this is blowing my mind. You just straight (laughs) coming out being like, bleep horses, the vibe? And I was like, are you asking Lexi this? Like, (laughs) <laughs> Listen, no, if you're interested in that part of Catherine's life, you can Google it. Like, yeah. you can Google it. I talked about it. this, like, in my AP Euro class, like, six years ago. That was so, covered in AP Euro for you? That was not covered in my I AP Euro class. I had the most incredible AP Euro teacher. Shout out, Spivak. She keeps liking my, my Facebook posts about this, but shit. I don't know if she's listening. So, shout out, Spivak, for talking about Catherine the Great, and maybe did she fuck a horse? I don't know. Everything I learned about Catherine the Great, I learned 
in my European history class I took at a college after I took AP Euro. hop from Europe all the way down to what is now Nigeria to tell you the story of 16th century Queen Amina, which means truthful and honest. My disclaimer, like Lexi, is I don't speak any of the regional languages in ancient or modern Africa. And for Nigeria, the official language is English. So that's, that's a lot tra uh, trying to research all the different names, words, to try to find the root and stuff. So I apologize in advance. Orienting ourselves on the globe, Nigeria is on the Gulf of Ghania. Pronouncing that horribly wrong, I'm so sorry. So where Africa curves inward, and that's universally called West Africa. Queen Amina is known as one of the greatest African queens in history and will always be remembered for her great leadership impressive military strategies, and just as a powerful woman in her overall spirit. And before we really deep dive into her story, I just want to make a quick note. Most of what is known about our queen is because of an anonymous book, Amina Sara Unia Zazua, Amina, Queen of Zazu. This book, quote, appeared in 1954 and is a collection of traditions about Queen Amina and is noted to be written after her death. Even still today, people are debating if she actually existed or the legendary queen was in fact just a legend. I personally could not get a copy of this book because it seems to only be in print at universities that I could not visit during this pandemic life. So that means my story is mainly coming from people who use this text and have used other oral traditions when conducting research. And I'll try to note where the history gets, let's say, twisty-wisty, but also note that oral tradition is a valid way of telling a story and telling a cultural perspective. So like, if people are saying that this is legend because oral tradition, no. So that's where I'm more leaning on the side that, yes, this, this was a true human being rather than a legend, and oral tradition is valid. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Also, I'm gonna jump around her life timeline because I grouped this story up into military politics and just being an overall queen. Born sometime around 1533, she was the eldest daughter of a government ruler named Bakwa Turuku, noted as queen, but also some people noted this person as a king. In the academic world, there's even been disagreement on whether she was raised by more male rulers or a female. So I said, screw it and let's not harp on the binaries. Gender is a social construct. Just Gender is a scam and I would like to unsubscribe. <laughs> Thank you. Hit that button. She had a traditional upbringing of being weaned and spending time with the mothers. However, she was unlike other Hausaga girls because she would go to court with her grandfather. So I'm taking this as going to like government and political 
officials gatherings. Grandfather takes granddaughter to work day is every day. And I would like to say she was inspired or destined for greatness at a young age. Queen Amina was very interested in learning about politics and getting involved for public affairs. Hey, she went like with her grandfather, so awesome. Just pick up a few of the family trait, if you will. She was taught not only by her mother, but her grandfather, as I said, who was a ruler. And when she was 16, she was named Magiya of Zazua, which means heir apparent. With this, she was now a member of the ruler's cabinet, which allowed her to put those political skills into action. Queen Amina fought in all said campaigns that were put before her by her brother, by her grandfather. This is kind of where it got dicey. And I'll talk more about her military campaign. Along with her interest in public affairs and politics, Queen Amina was really interested, like I said, warfare and actually received a lot of military training. She overall had this reputation of being a fearless warrior and just as good as the other men. Because you know what? Women can just fight like a man. I don't know why we have to put that in there. I digress. After her mother's death, which was noted around 1566, her brother Karama took the throne. And remember she was the oldest, so the throne had to go to a male. That was kind of noted. Um, but it was also noted that the mother was like kind of ruling in the sense that her brother was young. So he was kind of like the figurehead or like, hey, we still have a king in place. But really the, the mother was So the mother was the like job. the proxy. Yeah. You might yes. say. So that's where, like I said, twisty wisty, some of my notes overlapped. And the brother's goal, at least, was to expand the Zazua Empire, and within two years, he set up or organized four military campaigns. At least these were the four that are heavily noted, and like I said, the four that she kind of involved herself when she was under the cabinet's rule, one of those members. As part of the military campaigns, there was note that she was even the commander of 20,000 men during this time, and this could have been when she was queen, because when she was queen, after her younger brother was chosen for the throne, she would continue to go into battle. She saw that she had strong power within her society to do good, but also recognized that she probably have a better sense of control out on the battlefield. She was most comfortable just being in charge of a military force and power. So she obviously took the throne and this lasted of her being just in the throne in the sense that she was working and governing from wherever her home base was for three months. So timeline continues. And she was noted to be fighting or being ruler queen until her death in 1610. So that means she is in a total reign of 34 years. And her brother and previous ones were only up to 10 years. And that also is like a twisty-wisty noted, but I think she was, it was noted that she ruled for a very, very long time. And as her time as queen, she was able to expand the physical territory of Zazua to the south and west. And yes, there was force, but much of her time spent in battle was also to negotiate with neighboring political rulers 
and like compelling them to pay tributes, but also to make sure that in like the vassal areas and the neighboring rules, they would have like a permit system. So traders and travelers could pass throughout like the neighboring areas in her area with ease and not be in danger. Militarily, she also introduced metal armor like helmets, chainmail into her army as protection. It was noted that this was an era of talented metal workers. So she saw that and she was like, hey, we're gonna incorporate this into how we work, how we fight and this might work out, which I believe it did because this was early on in her reign and she just truly continued this. And I just wanna say that like Lexi's queen, Amina has been remembered to this day as a role model for feminism uh, and in Nigeria, different landmarks or institutions, if you will, have been dedicated to her and it's said that the TV show Xena Warrior Princess was inspired by Queen Amina, but that was mine. Uh, it's midnight, I gotta finish notes and this is kind of cool, but I don't have access to this TV show. And to leave on an even more fun note, on Black History Activity Books, you can buy a Queen Amina activity book and my wallet is currently yelling at me. That's awesome. I feel like we haven't talked about Africa that much and I think that's kind of something we're gonna be working on and fixing but I think she's the first African person we've talked about yeah good choice good like what a good first note I mean we're like seven episodes in and that's a little bit embarrassing we're a little late (laughs) we're a little late but a really good first one I also didn't I wanted to do something that no one knew about Mm. and like we know in academia Africa gets left out, unfortunately. So I specifically was like, I'm going to pick someone from Africa, or I was looking at like Aztec, Mayan, South America. But I saw that Queen Amina, I believe, oh my gosh, it's Amina. So sorry again if I'm pronouncing any of these words incorrectly. Google Translate was not much help. (laughs) Whoops. But she's just still like very much ingrained in Nigeria's culture. I think they even had a museum or like one of those uh, cultural centers named after her. Definitely different landmarks. Also just, if you have an activity book about you and about your life, you know you made it. Like I would love in like 50 years and hell, a thousand years, just a Haley activity book. More merch. so much fun. Oh my God. Lady History March and its coloring book pages of our Zoom meetings. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. That's just my idea. You should link the activity book on our Twitter or something in case people want to buy it and support that site. It mm-hmm. is in my sources and I just shared my notes with Alana. So it will be on our Tumblr if you want to see Amazing. it. And maybe we'll tweet it too. Maybe we'll get ambitious. I don't know. I will be talking about Boudicca, the warrior queen of the Iceni, which um, they were a, call it a tribe. I don't really like the word tribe. I think it's kind of loaded. So I'm just going to call them Iceni or the Iceni people because I just like, I don't like the word tribe. And they were in, it's modern day Norfolk. So Eastern England, 
And so Boudicca was born in about 30 common era, not anything 30, just 30. Because ancient, like, that's just how math works. So at the age of about 18, uh, she married the king of the Iceni. His name is Prasitagus, or perhaps Prasitagus. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. So at this time, Rome is king shit on high. They're ruling the entire Mediterranean. They're ruling a lot of Northern Europe. They're just all, all over everything. And in 43, nothing, 43, just 43 CE, Emperor Claudius began his invasion of Britain. The Iceni, like a lot of other people in Britain, became client states of Rome, which means uh, as long as the current leaders were alive and submitted to Rome and helped Rome out when they needed help, y'all can pretty much do your own thing and not like be attacked by Rome. So Prasitagus took that deal, but he died in 60, nothing 60, just 60 common era, thereabouts. And he didn't have a male heir. So in his will, he left his kingdom to his two daughters, who do not have names in the classical sources, and Emperor Nero, who had taken over in 54. Boudicca is not in his will, which is really interesting, and makes scholars think that maybe she was always anti-Roman, and he like, wanted to protect his people because he thought that maybe if Boudicca were queen, she would fight the Romans and that would just be bad for everybody and spoiler alert it kind of was after Prasitagus's death what if I just pronounced it differently every single time I said it that would be fun so that's after, acceptable yeah that's what I'm gonna do so after Prasitagus's death the Romans annexed Iceni lands by force and killed a bunch of people publicly flogged Boudicca embarrassed her and raped her daughters the legend is that she put her daughters in a chariot and rode through her town and was proclaiming, this is what the Romans will do to us. They suck so much. Look what they did, essentially. She did rebel against a bunch of Romans successfully. She defeated the Ninth Legion, which was approximately 70,000 Romans that she just totally destroyed. She did eventually, like she didn't succeed overall in forcing the Romans out of Britain entirely. Her warriors were eventually defeated and she and her daughters poisoned themselves rather than be taken prisoner, which is sad, but sometimes it's what you do. There's not a lot of information about Boudicca because she was not Roman. And so any Roman sources are gonna, the face Haley is making is just like, yeah, this is how it is. Romans don't really record their enemies accurately necessarily and so the main contemporary and air quotes the main contemporary sources are Tacitus and Cassius Dio. Tacitus wasn't even born until 56 common era just 56 so at the time of these events he was like four years old so I don't think when my sources say Tacitus recorded no he didn't and then Cassius Dio was not born until 130 CE, so almost 60 years later. Actually, I think it's 70 years later. I'm not good at math. I have to use my calculator to do eight plus five, so I'm not good at math, I'm sorry. And so nowadays, Britain has like claimed her as an icon, 
of like British power. And I think it's really interesting that she was so anti-Empire and then Britain like did that with no sense of irony. Britain is like, yeah, Boudicca, this anti-Empire badass. That's our icon. No irony. There is a statue of her on the Westminster Bridge in London. And the reason I wanted to do Boudicca is because when I was in Westminster, I saw this statue and I was like, I think that's Boudicca. And then I looked it up and it was Boudicca. And so I felt really like smug and hot because I got it right. The end. I wrote a paper on Boudicca in undergrad. (laughs) Yes. And the theme of the paper was I watched Boudicca, the made for TV British movie. With Alex Kingston. Yes. And then I analyzed how it compared to the records. I wrote about druids in the game Dungeons and Dragons. I love to see it. Great class. You can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at LadyHistoryPod. Our show notes and a transcript of this episode will be on LadyHistoryPod.tumblr.com. If you like the show, leave us a review or tell your friends. And if you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. Our logo is by Alexia Ibarra. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter at LexiBDraws. Our theme music is by me, GarageBand, and Amelia Earhart. Lexi is doing the editing. You will not see us, and we will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Lady History. Next week on Lady History. Wait, Great Scott, is that a bird? Is that a plane? No, it's a Shiro! Next week on Lady History, we're gonna be discussing women who saved the day.